All right, shall we say good morning? Let us begin. Beautiful daf ahead of us today. Begin by thanking our sponsors, our Tamatora sponsors for the month of ER. Yona and Shushi Ehrenfeld for dedicating all the Shurman Joshos this month. In loving memory of the Zech and Nishmas, Yona's grandfather, Yosef Ben Shmuel Aaron, our week of learning sponsors. Jack Bennett, in memory of Sergeant Nikolai Rappaport of the Givati Brigade, who was killed in Lebanon in a Hezbollah ambush on, 19, on February 7th, 1998. And Dafyomi sponsor for today, Hillel Sakloff, in memory of his mother, Chaya Bracha, Basrab Tzvi Hirsh Halevi. We hope that in the merit of our Tamatora, all of the Nishalas will have an Aliyah. The family is a Nechama. And we'll see with that, let us be have a beautiful, beautiful daf ahead of us today. Today's daf is Hey 5, and we are picking up Emirat Hashem on Dalit Amad Bey's 4B, and we are picking up 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 11 lines up from the bottom. Says the Gemar Vayikra al Moshe Vayidaber. Pasik says that Hashem called out to Moshe, and he spoke to him. Now, now the truth is, the Pasuk seems to be repetitive. Why don't you just say, right? what, what, Like it says, what do you mean, Vayikra al Moshe Vayidaber? Why, why do you need both Vayikra, he called out and he spoke. Both said, this is beautiful. Why do I need Kriya? Which means a calling out before Dibar. Linda Torah Derechars. Well, say this is profound. Torah is teaching us an incredible lesson. That I will say you shouldn't say something to someone unless, of course, you first call out to them. In other words, that apparently what the Gemara is saying is you shouldn't just start speaking to someone, but you should tell a person that you'd like to speak to them. Tell them you want to speak to them before you go ahead and you start talking. Vayikra al Moshe means Hashem says to Moshe. I'd like to talk with you. Vayidaber. Vayidaber. And then Hashem spoke to him. Before you start to speak to someone, tell them you want to speak to them. Which I will say essentially means what? The Gemara seems to be saying is that halacha before you go ahead, before you go ahead and begin a conversation, make sure someone is in the right state to hear what it is that you have to say. Like the Gemara says, Kishem she mitzvah lomar, lomar davar, same way as a mitzvah, to say something that's going to be heard. Sometimes it's also a mitzvah not to say something that is not going to be heard. Right? We, we all learn this throughout life in, in different relationships that sometimes it's kedai to say something and sometimes it's not kedai to say something. So what Chazal is saying is, before you say something to someone, make sure that they are ready and make sure that they are in the correct state to be able to hear what it is that you want to share. Because if it's the wrong state or they're not in that quote-unquote state of readiness, that ultimately speaking to them could potentially be a bracha levatala. An incredibly profound idea. I will say many, many, many different ramifications. It has to do with sometimes in life, if someone's angry and you want to engage them, might not be the best idea to engage them. Sometimes when a person is suffering and you might think that you have the most incredible, overwhelming words of consolation, but they may not be ready to hear it. And sometimes, again, a person is just in a bad place in life. And although you may have some incredible pearls of wisdom, like, like legitimate wisdom that could help them because maybe you experienced something like they experienced, if they're not in the right headspace to be able to hear it, It'll fall on deaf ears. Vayikra al Moshe vayidaber. First, there's a kriya. Engage the person. Make sure they're ready to hear what you have to say, and then you could say it. The gemara goes right there. So the gemara says, "Meseyeh alei l'Rabbi Hanina." Rabbi Hanina, "Lo yomer adam davar lechaveira el imkin korea korea." 
Kares. And the Gemara says, Lemor. Amr Rebbe Rabba. Minayin Omer Davar Lachavar Yosheh. Baal Yomar. We'll say, this is great. How do you know that when someone tells you something, the, the implied reality is you should not share it. Until someone tells you you can't share it. I will say this is a very profound piece for interpersonal relationships. When someone tells you something, the default setting the Gemara says is don't share it. Don't share it. The only time you should share something that someone told you is when they gave you explicit permission to share it. Where do I know that from? This is incredible. Hashem said, to, Hashem said to Moshe from Olamo, Lemor. Bosin, now Lemor means what? To say to others. The fact, see, Achish Baruch could have just said to Moshe, and we could have implied whatever God is telling Moshe, it's Moshe's obligation to share with everyone else. No, not true. Achish Baruch tells Moshe the stuff that he wants him to share and doesn't tell him the stuff, or, or, or tells him when he wants him to share it. So we'll say so too again in interpersonal relationships. Again, what a, what a way, how, how much Agmas Nefesh we would save ourselves if we lived by that principle, right? Because sometimes I think we assume the opposite, that anything is fit for, right, for, for dissemination, as long as what? As long as no one told me it's confidential. And even if they told me it's confidential, it just means I can't tell everyone. Right? They could just tell a few select people. Right? So the, the, the idea of the Gemara says, no, assume that when people tell you something, that you're not to share it. You're not to share it, unless, of course, they give you explicit permission to do so. Michlal, so we'll say now we're back, we're back to the Machlokas. Between Rabbi Yochanan and Rish Lakish that we saw before, so the Gemara says, "Mechlal de Tarvayu Sir Lehu Mimiluim Kalakosiv Bahen Maakimim." So we'll say, so "Remember again, let's take a step back now." So interestingly enough, what we have are two sources for the concept of Hafrasha sequestering. Right, one is Miluim, which which really is the paradigmatic example which everyone is learning something out from, and then the other example we saw, the other source we saw was from Har Sinai. But the Gemara both Rabbi Yochanan and Shlokish, it appears that both of them hold that that anything mentioned by the Miluim, so I will say again, any, any process mentioned in during the Miluim, during the inauguration of the Mishkan, is Ma'akiv. If it's written, then it's an absolute indispensable necessity. The Itmar, because we learned Miluim, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Hanina, Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Hanina, both Chad Amar Kolakosov and Ma'akev One opinion said anything written in the context of Miluim is Ma'akev. The Chad Amar Davraham Ma'akev Ladoros Ma'akev Bohen, Shem Akev Ladoros in Ma'akev. And I suppose this is very interesting. Second opinion said no. The only things which are Ma'akev for Miluim are what? The sacrificial things or the sacrificial components that are Ma'akev for future generations as well. But if you have a sacrificial detail or component, which is not ma'akiv, which is not necessary for future service, then it's not ma'akiv for miluim as well. This time, Rabbi Yochanan, who the Amar by ma'akivan, both say it would appear that it was Rabbi Yochanan who holds that anything written in the context of miluim is ma'akiv. Why? Mid commonly, Rabbi Shimon Lokish, Rabbi Yochanan, as far that Rabbi Lokish says, Rabbi Yochanan, ima miluim. Because in yesterday's daft, Rabbi Yochanan, anything written by Miluim is Ma'akev, and Rabbi Yochanan didn't respond. He did not argue with that point. Therefore, it is time. Therefore, both in this Machlok, Rabbi Yochanan, it would appear that Rabbi Yochanan is the opinion who holds anything written in the context of Miluim is Ma'akev, and Rabbi Yochanan holds no, only that which is Ma'akev Ladoros. 
only thing that is ma'akev, that is necessary for sacrificial service in future generations, is ma'akev from Ilu and Ezzel. So my bin, I will say, so what are some practical differences? Like, where, where are some good nafgaminas between Rabbi Yochanan and Reish Lakish? I'm sorry, between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Hanino. So top of Heir, I will say, I'm Rabbi Yosef, Smicha Ikebenayu. Give you a good example, Smicha. Smicha, which I will say means what? And a good opportunity, again, to wish, uh, to wish a mazel tov to the... We had a beautiful siyum last night for smichas chaver and uh, of mazel tov to those who 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 passed the mechina earned this incredible distinction of er, earning smicha earning smichas chaver on hilchos mukta quite beautiful but this is a different kind of smicha right so I'll say this this is the smicha and karbanos so remember again there's a din of karbanos of placing your hands placing your hands on top of the karban. So listen to this. So according to the opinion that says anything written in Miluim by definition is Ma'akev. So if that's the case, Smicha Ma'akva. So Smicha is Ma'akev. Because also remember again, at the end of the day, Smicha is written, remember, in, in the context of the Miluim, the Torah discusses the idea that you do Smicha on the Karban. So according to the opinion who says, which is Rabbi Yochanan, Anything written in the Miluim is Ma'akev, therefore Smicha is Ma'akev. On the flip side, the Mandara, Darvashe in Ma'akev, the Doros in Ma'akev, when Smicha lo Ma'akev. I will say, on the other hand, here's what's interesting. Just an interesting sacrificial fact. Smicha is not Ma'akev. So, for example, if you have a carbon that requires Smicha and you didn't do Smicha, but you offered up the carbon, what's the halacha? The carbon is good. The carbon is kosher. So according to the opinion who holds that anything that is not ma'akev for future generations is not ma'akev for miluim, so smicha would not be ma'akev. Good. Uludoros ma'akev. I will say, by the way, how do I know that smicha is not ma'akev for future generations? Where, 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 just where, where do I know that from? So the sanya, because we learned, v'samach v'nirtza. The Pasuk says you will do smicha, v'nirtza. V'nirtza means it will be accepted. But I will say, but one second, you see, that's a very strong phrase. Because what does that make it sound like? That makes it sound like that it's smicha that affects atonement of a carbon. But that's not true. I will say, we've been around the sacrificial block enough to know what affects, what affects atonement by a carbon? Dam. All about the dam. Right? All dam all the time. I, but the Gemara says, Kapara only comes through the blood service. So why does it make it sound like that smicha v'nirza v'nirza lechap v'samach v'nirza shenemar ki adam hu benefeshichaper umat hamalomar v'samach v'nirza. So therefore, I will say, why does it? Why, what is the meaning of the pasuk when it says you'll do smicha and the carbon will be accepted? Listen to this. Shem asal smicha shiari mitzvah. That ultimately, again, if you make smicha. Like shiari mitzvah. So we'll say, what, what does it mean? If you make smicha, we'll say, what shiari mitzvah? Like shiari shirayim, leftovers, leftovers. Right? If you go ahead and you relegate smicha to a leftover status, i.e., you don't do it, the Torah treats it as if the, as if the, as if the carbon does not affect kapara, but nevertheless, but it really does affect kapara. In other words, I will say, what the Torah is telling you is, smicha is important. And the Torah is trying to highlight the fact that smicha is important. And if you don't do smicha, you should feel like it didn't affect kapara. Even though what? Even though what? You did. <laughs> you did. So therefore, again, I will say, the Torah is using a lashon to highlight the importance of smicha, but yet at the same time teaching us that halacha lamaisa. If you omitted smicha, the carbon stokes. If you take a look at Rashi, Rashi says, 
Min HaMovchar. In other words, that the need to do smicha is incredibly important. It's a mitzvah Min HaMovchar. But ultimately, again, if for some reason you omitted smicha, halacha lemaisa, the carbon is still still good. The Chifar, the next Rashi says, he says, that I will say, ideally, you are supposed to go ahead and do smicha in order to have the mitzvah min amuvchar, the most appropriate form of the mitzvah. But Lamaisa, if you omitted smicha, you're still yotze. Good. So I will say, so again, smicha would be a good nafkamina between Rabbi Yochanan and Rabbi Chanina. Next, Rabbi Nachman by Yitzchak, Tenufa. Well, say another nafkamina. Another nafkamina would be tenufa. Tenufa is waving, right? It's under certain circumstances or with certain carbonos, the coin waves certain parts, certain sacrificial parts. So according to the opinion who holds anything written in the section of miluim, ultimately, again, is ma'akev. So tenufa is written by miluim. Therefore, tenufa would be ma'akev. Rabbi Yochanan. But again, the opinion who holds that anything that is not ma'akev, any sacrificial service that is not indispensable for future sacrificial service is not indispensable for the miluim. So again, would hold that the tunufa is not ma'akev. That would be Rabbi Chanina. So by the way, how do we know that in future generations, tunufa is not an indispensable part of sacrificial service. So the Gemara, here we go, the Pasuk says, you shall wave the carbon in order to go ahead and effect kapara. But is that true? Does the waving of the carbon affect kapara? Again, generally we assume, not generally we assume, because we've established, kapara happens how? With blood, through dam. So what does it mean when it says what it, when it sounds like it's making tenufa part of the kapara? Because what the Torah is telling you is what? How should you offer up your karbanos with water? Tenufa. Tenufa. So lechatchila. If you omitted tenufat, if you were not yotze, but the chipper, but b'diavet you are yotze. So the Torah uses essentially what the Gemara is saying, both by both by both by smicha as well as by tenufa, that the Torah uses almost like a little bit of an exaggerated lotion of importance by these processes in order to go ahead and get you to be vigilant with them. Because also remember again, you know, any time in life you tell something, someone, oh, this is only necessary b'diavet. So what happens? Doesn't get done. <laughs> it's human nature. So it's interesting. With the, also, which, by the way, is also incredible. What the Torah Kedoshah is telling us, it's an incredible, is Chodesh Baruch Hu is using a strong Lashon of Lachatrila by processes that you could still be Yodzeh with Bidiyavet, without Bidiyavet. So the Torah will say, by Smicha Lachaper, by Tnufa Lachaper, because the Chodesh Baruch Hu is telling us, I want you to do it. I want you to Lachatrila, I want you to do it. But yeah, if you omitted Smicha, if you omitted Tnufa, Yosei tells you about such an incredible life you sowed, which is what? Jose, if you want to accomplish something in life, we've spoken about this before, right? The death knell of almost any life initiative is what phrase? I'll try. I'll try. Right? say I'll try is, I'll put in a little bit of effort to get this done, but I'm not really committed to its success. That's what I'll try means. If you want to accomplish something in life, I'm doing this. 
L'chatchila. I'm doing this. Right? L'chaper. This has to happen. Now again, even when you say sometimes things have to happen, sometimes circumstances beyond your control derail it. But Lamaisa, don't try. And anything, anything you're going to try is generally not worth doing. If you're going to do it, then you have to commit. If you're going to do it, you have to be both feet in. If you're going to do it, ultimately you have to be committed. That's what the Torah Kedosh is teaching us. I don't need Tnufa, B'diyavad. I don't need Smicha, B'diyavad. But if that's how you're going to approach life, you're never going to do Tnufa, you're never going to do Smicha. If something has to get done, don't say, I'll try. But make a commitment with your entire essence. Credible Yisod. Rav Papa Amar, Prisha Shivikim Rav gives another example. Sequestering. Oh, here's a good one. I will say this is going to bring you back to our Sugya. Hafrasha. Remember again, by the Miluim, by the Miluim, you had a sequestering for seven days prior to the Avoda. So according to the opinion of Yochanan who holds, anything written in the parish of Miluim is Ma'akev. So Hafrasha was Ma'akev. So if the Kohanim would not have done Hafrasha, it would have invalidated the Avoda. So ultimately, but the opinion, Rabbi, Rabbi Hanino, holds anything that is not necessary for future generations. Ultimately, again, is not Ma'akev by Miluim. So Bosai Hafrasha is not Ma'akev for future generations. To which the Gemara says, the Gemara says, by the way, Lodoros, Milan And by the way, how do I know, or how, how do we know that Halacha Lamaisa, Hafrash is not Ma'akev? Where, where do we know that from? So I'll say, this is actually incredible. Midikatani, we learned this yesterday. Midikatani, Maskinin Velokatana Mafrishin. But say, this goes back to yesterday we saw. Remember, the Mishnah said that they appoint a scan Kohen Gadol, right? A replacement Kohen Gadol in case something happens to the first Kohen Gadol. Then I'll say, now what's interesting? What don't we do to the backup? Or what don't we do with the backup? Sequester him. And I will say, isn't that fascinating? Because remember again, if sequestering was an indispensable part of the Avod of Yom Kippur, then halacha lamaisa, you would have to sequester the backup also. Because if something happens to the Kohen Gadol, as nice it is that you have the backup, if he hasn't been sequestered, he's not ready for service. The fact that the Mishnah doesn't say that indicates that's that sequestering. I will say, I just want to point out, it's interesting, we, we alluded to what exactly happens during those seven days, right? We, we, it's not clear yet from the Gemara, like, why are we sequestering? So, so far, in like our mindset, it's like we're sequestering because if somehow follows the paradigm of Miluim, Lasos Lechaper, but yet, why? Why, why? why am I sequestering him? So again, we'll get to that in Meretz Hashem. The primary purpose of sequestering was to teach the Kohen Gadol the Avodah of Yom Kippur. So therefore, the Gemara says, by the way, it's not Ma'akiv. It's not, it's, it's good, it's important, but it's not Ma'akiv. Varaya, this backup was not sequestered. Ravino, Ravino says, another example, Ribui Shiva, or Meshicha Shiva. But I'll say this is very interesting. Ravino says, another Nafkamina. If you look at Rashi for just a moment, Ribui Shiva, Rashi says, She Shamish Kohen Gadol Shiva Yamim Ritzufim, Kishamemanin also Bikunan Gidol, Vilbash Shmona Begadim, Bishas Avoda. So listen to this. So Avina says another nafkamina. Another nafkamina is the Kohen Gadol wearing the eight garments of the Kahuna Gidola for seven days, for the seven days of preparation. That's what we call, right? Reboi Shiva, Umashicha Shiva, and being anointed 
all seven days as well. These were things that were done, that were done in the Miluim. So the Gemara says, So according to the opinion, again, Rabbi Yochanan says, You understand what the phrase means by now. Anything ma'akev is ma'akev, anything written is ma'akev. So ultimately, again, if there was a failure for the Kohen Gadol to dress up in the big day kuna each and every day and get Meshicha each and every day, it would undermine the service. But according to the opinion who holds that Allah said anything that is not indispensable for future generations is not ma'akiv by the miluim, then ultimately again what we call the wearing the begadim all seven days and the anointing all seven days is not ma'akiv as well. By the way, says the Gimara Uludoros, and by the way, where do we know that for future generations, Ribui begadim and Mashiach is not ma'akev. This Sanya, because we learned the chiper hakoin asher yimshach also b'asher yimali es yadol lechahin tachas aviv. So I'll say. So the pasuk says, literally again, the coin will atone who is anointed, and literally again, who fills the position lemali es yadol tachas aviv underneath his father. So the Gemara says, Matau Lomar. What is the pasuk teaching me? The fishin emar shivas yomim yil b'shem hakoin tachtov mibanov. So I'll say, interestingly enough, the only context I know for the inauguration of a coin, right? The original inauguration of the Kohanim or induction of the Kohanim had them ultimately again wearing the big day kahuna for seven days of inauguration and ultimately again being anointed with oil for seven days. So I'll say, this goes back to the original induction and inauguration of Aaron and his sons. So there's seven days of putting on the big day kuna, seven days of being anointed prior to service. So the Gemara says, how do I know? First wide line. But ultimately, again, if the coin wore the clothing for seven days, but he only was anointed with one for one day, or or what happens if ultimately, again, he only wore the begotten for one day and was anointed for seven days, minayin, how do I know that that works as well? In other words, what the Gemara is saying over here is, how do I know that really what I just need is for him to wear the big day kahuna and be anointed with oil? The truth is, whether it's seven and one, one and seven, seven and seven, that's not really the relevant point. Because the Pasuk is about at the end of the day, what the coin needs in order to be inaugurated is ultimately again to wear the big day kahuna and to be anointed with oil. I will say, now I'll tell you something very interesting. Well, actually, let, let's finish up. Well, say, I understand now where the wearing of the clothing for seven days comes in. Where do I find that the coin should ideally be anointed with oil for seven days as well? So number one could be from the fact that the Pasuk needs to tell you that if you don't have seven days, the anointing oil one time or one day is still enough. That indicates that the should be seven. The other possibility is The Torah itself compares the anointing of the coin with oil to the putting on of begadim. Mary Bui Shiva, just like ideally he wears the big day corner for seven days, Af Meshicha Shiva. Ultimately, again, therefore anointing with oil is all seven days as well. So we'll say, so it seems to be from a Lachatrila perspective, the inauguration of a coin would take place through Ribui Begadim wearing the big day kuna for seven days and Mashiach for seven days. So we'll say, I'll just take something very interesting. The Rambam comments on this. So the Rambam writes, this is in Hilchos 
Elchos Amikdash, the Perak Dalit Halacha Yud Beis. Listen to this. So how do you anoint a coin gadol? You anoint him with anointing oil. Ultimately, again, and he wears the big day kuna. Quotes the pasuk. And if there is no oil, ultimately, again, so we'll say if there is no shemana mishcha, there is no oil. The wearing of the vestments of the Kohen Gadol is enough to vest him in the office. And he writes over here, So we'll say, so Ramam writes, now if you notice over here, interestingly enough, yeah, so again, so, so the ideal is when anointing a Kohen Gadol, he's both begadim as well as shemen. But if for some reason there's no anointing oil, which will come up in just a moment, it's enough to go ahead and have him wear the big day kuna. The Rambam then goes on and he says, So the Ramam goes on and he says, Ideally, you would do this process for seven days. You would anoint him with oil for seven days and he would wear, wear and take off the big day coin goggle for seven days. So that's how the Rambam Paskins. Halach Lamai says, Step one, Begadim and oil. Step two, that process is happening for seven days before. And I both say, interestingly enough, the Rambam, same halach is for different parak, writes, Bebayishini shlo haya sham shemana mishcha, haya koin godum srabe bilavishas begadim bilvad. So we'll say, obviously, we know that time start history where there was, where was, there was no anointing oil. For example, Bayashim, second base Amikta Shara, there was no Shemana Mishcha. Remember again, we also we saw, we saw this in Shkalim, right? That the Shemana Mishcha was hidden away with the arm. We just had this Gemara, right? We just learned this. Shemana Mishcha was hidden away. So that's why it's very important. Although, I, so the ideal inauguration of a Kohen Gadol is oil and clothing for seven days. In the absence of oil, clothing works, right? And again, by Yashini, clothing works by itself. Interestingly enough, but it doesn't work to reverse oil without clothing doesn't work. Right? So we know, we know that. Why do we know that? Because the halacha is a coin is not permitted to do the avoda without big day kahuna. So clothing without oil could work. Ultimately, again, clothing without oil could work. Oil without clothing cannot work. Good. All right, more, more to talk about on that. Rambam, but let, let's, let's go right there. Says the Gemara. Says the Gemara. Um... Good. My timer, two lines up from the bottom. My timer, so we'll say, what's the logic of the opinion who holds that anything written in the section of the Miluim is Ma'akev? You shall do for Aaron and his sons like this. So we'll say, the word Kacho, when it says like this, like this means what? This is how it is supposed to be done, and do not depart from this particular approach. So kacho is le'ikuva. So therefore, this svara, which, which we by now identified as Rabbi Yochanan, Rabbi Yochanan therefore holds that halakha anything written in the section of miluim, is ma'akev. Is ma'akev. If you leave it out, ultimately again, ultimately, you're, you, you invalidate the avodah. Why kacho? So the Gemara says, Tenach, call on the base, so fine. So I'll say, so, so I understand. Now, I want to point out something very interesting. So remember again, there are, there are two sections where we learn about the inauguration of, of the kahuna, right? And the inauguration also of the mishkan. So remember again, we have, we have one time in Parshas Titzaveh, 
where again everything is written about the big Degunah, right? And we also have again in Parshas Tzav. Parshas Tzav. So the Gemara now is going to address these two different. Now remember, what's the chilik between Parshas Tetzave and Parshas Tzav? In Tetzave, we're told everything that has to get done. In Tzav is where it actually gets done. So the Gemara says. So the Gemara says as follows. So I understand that that concept holds true to anything written in this section. Now this section, Rashi identifies first Rashi Hamadays, the parashas Tzavah Demiluim, in the parasha where we are given the instruction regarding the inauguration of the Kahuna, Shnevar Vava Ata Tetzavah, and parashas Tetzavah, but we'll say, how do I know about anything that's not written in this context? How do I know that it's ma'akiv? Take a look at the next Rashi. So we'll say, there are certain things, for example, that are not written in Tetzaveh, that are written in Tzav. So how do I know that those things, so anything written in Tetzava, I understand that I've got Kacho over there, I understand that's Likuva. How do I know about certain things that, for example, are not written in Tzav, I'm sorry, they're not written in Tetzava, but are written in Tzav, there will be Likuva as well. To which the Gemara says, Amrav Nachem Bar Yitzchak, Yolif Pesach Pesach, Mik Gzera Shava, between Parshas Tetzava, Parshas Sav, Pesach Pesach. You'll see Rashi points this out. So the Gemara says, Rav Amar, Ushmartem Es Mishmeras Hashem, Ikuva. So our Mesharashia says, when the Pasik says, Ushmartim es Mishmeres Hashem, literally again, which is Parashas you should go ahead and keep the Mishmeres. Guard that which HaKadosh Baruch Hu told you, that's the Ikuva. So in other words, what Kacho is in Parashas Tetzave, Ushmartim es Mishmeres Hashem will be in Parashas Tetzav. Ikuva. Ravashi Amar, Kikein Tzuvesi Ikuva. When it says, Kikein Tzuvesi, this is, I've commanded you, it's the Ikuva. Sefer will say, it turns out, that in both parshios, in both sections, Tetzave and Tzav, where we speak about the inauguration of the Kahuna, the Torah uses Lashonos, which tells us anything written here is of an indispensable nature. Tan Rabbanon, Kikain Tzuvesi. So I'll say, now we'll analyze the Pasuk a little bit. Kikain Tzuvesi. This is what I have commanded. Kasher Tzivesi, as I have commanded. Kasher Tziva Hashem, as Hashem has commanded. So we'll say three different Lashonos of Tzava. Three different, three different wordings, right? Ultimately of Hashem commanding. So we'll say the Gemara says each of them teaches us something separate. Kikain Tzivesi. Kikain Tzivesi. This is I, as, as I have commanded. So the Gemara says, what does that refer to? Ba'aninos yochlu. So we'll say, so now this, we're, we're referencing a little bit now, ultimately again to the section in Parsha Shmini, where Nadav and Aviyu died. Right, Nadav and Aviyu died. They were makrev esh zara, and they died. As so remember again, then there's a whole shayla in the aftermath of the death of Nadav and Aviyu. What should Aaron and his sons be doing, and what should they not be doing? Because remember again, they were in a state of aninos. They were in a state of mourning. So the shaila is what should be done, what shouldn't be done. So watch this. As I've commanded, That was referring to the fact that Aaron and his sons, or Aaron was to, to consume the carbon mincha, even in a state of aninos. See, even though again they were onanim, ultimately again the carbon mincha was to still be consumed. Again, we'll, we'll see why that is. So the Gemara says, What does that mean? 
So this is what, remember again, there's the whole episode where Aaron, where they burned the chatas. They didn't eat the chatas, but instead they burned the chatas. Moshe Rabbeinu got angry. He thought they did something wrong, but at the end of the day, they were actually correct. We'll discuss that as well. Kasher Tzidesi, as I've commanded, that refers ultimately to the episode where Aaron burned the chatos. Kasher Tziva Hashem, as Hashem commanded, and Moshe Rabbeinu was saying, Velo me'elai, or no me'elai, ani omer. Whatever I'm giving over to you, I'm not giving over on my own, but rather, again, I'm giving you over the ratzon, the will of HaKadosh Baruch Hu. If you take a look at Rashi for just a moment, it's Rashi in the intermediate lines, about uh, four, five lines into the intermediate lines. Kasher tziva Hashem, v'lo me'ilayani omer, hayusomchen api adibar v'achlu osa onenin, v'lo sasu kasher sisim v'chatos, I'm just reading this and then we'll explain it. So we'll say, so remember again, Aaron intuitively understood that as an Onain and as the Kohen Gadol, he was to consume any of the Karbanos that were unique to that day of the Miluid. But any Karban that was something that was going to be offered up for Doros, Aaron felt would be inappropriate for someone who was in Aninos to eat. So for example, Rashi points out over here that they offered up three different Seirim on that day. And ultimately, again, the only one they did not eat was the Seir of Rosh Chodesh. Because remember, again, this took place in Rosh Chodesh Nisan. And the reason they didn't eat the Seir of Rosh Chodesh, but they burnt it instead of consuming it, was the seer of Rosh Chodesh was not a unique carbon for the Miluim, but that was going to be a carbon that was going to be offered up. So Aaron felt, Aaron intuitively understood, anything that was a unique part of the service of the inauguration should be consumed even in a state of aninos, in a state of mourning. But anything that was part of perpetual temple service should not be consumed by an onain. Good, the Gemara goes right there. So the Gemara says, um, so we'll say, just as an aside, now that we're speaking about the inauguration of the Kohanim, so we'll say, it's very interesting. One of the begadim that the Kohen wore were michnasayim. So we'll say, michnasayim literally means pants, pants. But this is really almost like, uh, you know, almost like an undergarment type of pants, right? A, a, a shorter pair of pants. So the Gimara says, but interestingly enough, Nichnasayim are not explicitly mentioned. Kishu Omer, Zehadavar Shetaselohem, Lekadesh Osom Lechain, Lavia Nichnasayim Vasiris Eifa. So I'll say, interestingly enough, so the Gemara says, but when the Pasuk says, this is the thing that you will do for them, Lekadesh Osom, to sanctify them, Lechain to service Kohanim, that comes to include Nichnasayim and Asiris Eifa. So what's that comes to include Minchasayim pants? And a seriously, if you remember again, refers to the unique Mincha offering of the coin Gadol. Remember again, what's with us in Shkalim? Who gives the Asira Seifa, little Chazara? Who offers the Asira Seifa? Coin Gadol every day. And every other coin only when? Only when? The first day of service. The first day of his inauguration, inaugurational service. So Bishlam Minchasayim, Ksibi Be'in, Debi so I understand how you learn at Mechnasayim over here, because ultimately, again, this Pasuk is written in the context of Big Day Kuhuna. El Asira Seifa Minolan. Rabbi say, how do you know, where do you learn at Asira Seifa from this Pasuk? So the Gemara says, Asya Zeh Zeh. We make a Gzir Shava from Zeh Zeh. Mi Vezeh Karban Aron. Obanav Asher Akrivu La Hashem Asira Seifa. So we'll say, it says, the word Zeh, 
Ultimately, explicitly in the Pasuk of Sirah Seifa, it says, Zehadavar learns out of Sirah Seifa as well. Good. So let's listen to this. So we'll say this is very interesting. In terms of talking about the things that are ma'akev, that are indispensable and necessary for the Milo, for the inauguration, the Gemara includes over here mikra. Now what does mikra mean? Take a look in Rashi, in the, in the wide lines. It is 2, 4, 6, 8, 10, 12 lines are from the wide lines. Mikra. Parshas milum shenitztave beva'ata titzave. So we'll say, this is incredible. The Gemara says, by the way, by the way, you see, up until now, let's say we've been focused since the beginning of this Masechta on one thing, the inauguration of the Mishkan, the inauguration of the Koharim. That, that's what we're totally focused on over here. And we're speaking about the different things that are ma'akev, right? What's a necessity for the miluim? What's not a necessity for the miluim? Now the Gemara, Rabbi Yochanan introduces the name of, name of Rashbir, Shomayochai, something so fascinating. That not only are all the details that we discussed necessary, but you have to read the psukim of the miluim at the miluim. Isn't that fascinating? That the read, what we call mikra, the reading of the psukim of the middle of the inauguration of the garden, the inauguration of the Mishkan, right? All of these things are necessary at the inauguration. How do I know this? Talmud Lomar, Vayomer Moshe Ala'ida, Zehadavar Sharetziva Hashem. Moshe said to the congregation, these are the things that Hashem commanded. So both say, interestingly enough, interestingly enough, what's fascinating about this, right? The Pasuk doesn't mention anything new after that. Right, it just says, these are the things that Hashem commanded. So the Gemara Darshan, it doesn't, you see, you would normally think, these are the things that Hashem commanded, and then go on to list the things that Hashem commanded. Interestingly enough, the Pasuk doesn't do that. So the Gemara learns after something amazing. So what are the things that Hashem commanded? Hashem told us to read these very psukim of the Miluim, at the time of the Miluim. Zehadavar. Zehadavar. What do you mean? These are, the, these are the words. We have to read the Psukim at the Miluim itself. Pretty incredible. We'll say now, watch this next Gemara. Absolutely incredible. Ketzer Hilvishon. How did Moshe dress the Kohanim? Now, we'll say, take a look at Rashi once again. Ketzer Hilvishon. Seder Habegadim. La'avu Labanim Zehacharzeh. So we'll say, listen to this incredible, this, this is an overwhelming riveting, transformative Gemara. We'll say, listen to this. Now, it's not quite clear immediately what the question of the Gemara is. It's going to turn out that later on, the question actually is going to be, what was the order? How did Moshe dress the Kohanim? Because remember, again, during the original inauguration of the Kohanim, Moshe, interestingly enough, remember, we know during the seven days of the inauguration, Moshe Rabbeinu effectively served as the Kohen Gadol. But he was simultaneously inaugurating the Kohanim as well with Begadim and with Shemen. See, he would dress and undress the Kohanim. So the Gemara says, how did Moshe dress the Kohanim? So we'll say, this is incredible. The Gemara says, who cares? My dahava hava. What happened, happened. What, 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 why, why, why are you asking that question? Whatever happened, happened. So the Gemara says, no. Elakitzad mabishin la'asid lavo. No, we have to know. I'm, this is not a historical question of both sides. It's not a historical question. You're right. My dahava hava, what happened, happened. 
I'm asking, Emir Tzashem Mashiach is going to come, right? Emir Tzashem, B'Sha'atova U'Mitzlachos. Look at Rashi. Rashi says, Ma'idah Hava Hava, Ma'atzarech Lono Lishal. What do you have to ask? Whatever happened, happened. So, so the Gemara says, no, no, we have to know before Mashiach comes. When Mashiach comes, how are you going to go ahead and dress the God? And I will say, look at these words. They're so beautiful. The Gemara says, don't worry about it. Don't worry about Mashiach comes. Now, say you don't have to worry about what's going to happen when Mashiach comes. Because guess what? Moshe Abin is going to be here. And Aaron Akoin is going to be here. And Elazar and Itamar are going to be here. And Nadav and Aviyu are going to be here. They got this. They got this. They did it one time. They know how to do it a second time. Don't worry about it. I will say, what an incredible and overwhelming Gemara. Right? So it's incredible and overwhelming on a variety of levels. But I will say, can you imagine that image? You know, we daven for Mashiach each and every day, and that means something different for each of us. But the day is going to come, Mashiach is going to come, and Amir Tzashem, Amir Tzashem, Moshe Rabbeinu is going to be back, and Aaron Akoin is going to be back, and we're going to have the schus to learn Torah from Moshe Rabbeinu, and you're going to have the schus to hear Dafyomi, not from me, I'm just a placeholder. You're going to get to hear it ultimately from the Lublin Rav, right? From, from, you're going to get to hear from the founder of Dafyomi, and all of these great people are once again going to be here, once again with us, in the Beis HaMikdash, in Yerushalayim, incredible. So let's say, so the Gemara says, no, 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 Ela Ketzet Hilbishan, Lemisbar Kray Pligi. Oh, Ms. Barkray. We'll say, no, no, we actually need to know the question. We actually, we're asking the question because the psukim about how the Kohanim were dressed are contradictory. Now, we'll say, before we get into this, I just want to say something amazing. The Avne Nazar is very bothered by this Gemara. And he says, what do you, we'll say, think about this. The Gemara says, how did Moshe Rabbeinu dress the Kohanim? And what does the Gemara answer? My Dahava Hava. What happened, happened. We'll say, what are you talking about? The Gemara is filled with questions about what happened, about what happened. We, was it, this is Daf Hay and Yuma, and what have we been spending our entire time on? Our entire time on? What happened? <laughs> that's what we've been doing. What happened? Right? Are they sequestering the Nazis? Do you have to sequester the Nazis? And the Gemara, the Gemara dismisses the question so flippantly. Right? What are, you, what are you wasting my time with how Moshe Rabbeinu dressed the Kohanim? My Dahava Hava, whatever happened, happened. What is going on over here? We always ask these questions. So we'll say, listen to what the Avni Nezer says. This is absolutely incredible. The Avni Nezer quotes the Balatanya, which is also pretty incredible. Avni Nezer quotes the Shner Zaman of Liadi, and he says, as I'll say, I'm just going to read to you one part of it. He says, he says because historically, We'll say the Balatanya says something dramatically amazing. That in the future, in the third base Hamikdash, the Avodah is going to be dramatically different than what happened in the first and second Bate Mikdash. How so? Kisham ala Adam. The goal, the mission of the first and second base Hamikdash was to atone for man, to affect atonement for man. Ula Asid Lavo, we'll say, listen to these words. Ula Asid Lavo. When the third base on Mikdash comes, we will already be in a state of Tikkun. The first and second Bate Mikdash were there to be metakin us, to fix us, to elevate us. But when Mashiach comes, everyone is elevated to a new level. Everyone is metukon. Everyone is quote-unquote fixed. 
Everyone is atoned for. Everyone is on a heightened spiritual level. Listen to this. So what is the Gemara asking? When the Gemara wants to know, So the Gemara, the Gemara is asking a historical question. And the Gemara says, one second, what happened in the past, at least in terms of Beis HaMikdash, is actually not relevant for the future. Because ultimately, Aaron and his sons are going to require, see that Avni is actually coming from a, from, a, from a new perspective, which is, why do we assume that Aaron and his sons will need a new inauguration? After all, again, they were inaugurated once. So maybe you'll say that death is a half sick. Okay. Maybe, but why do they to be inaugurated again? So to which, to which the Avni Nezer says something absolutely amazing. What happened in the past is not reflective of what will happen in the future. In the past, the Beis Hamikdash was to go ahead and be metakin, to ultimately fix, to remedy, to elevate the individual. When Mashiach comes, Rabbi said, there is a universal elevation that will take place, which means I don't need the Beis Hamikdash ultimately for my tikkun. The Beis Hamik- I will already be metukon. I will already be, quote unquote, fixed, elevated, purified. Well, say, remember again, when the Messianic era comes, this is why we don't accept converts. We don't accept gerim. This is why, again, if you want to do tshuva, you have to do tshuva ultimately before Mashiach comes. Because once Mashiach comes, there's a level of clarity that will be pervasive in every corner of the earth that I won't need the Beis HaMikdash for my tikkun because I will already be metukon. I will already be fixed. I'll already be uplifted just by the Messianic arrival. The Beis HaMikdash will serve as a point of meeting between myself and the Rebbe Shalom. But because of that, the Gemara says, my dahava hava, whatever happened, happened. But that's not reflective of what's going to be in the future. But it tells us something incredibly amazing, which is we really have to take advantage of these days that we have. Because Mashiach is going to be here any moment. Mashiach is going to be here any moment. And once he comes you lose out on the opportunity to fix yourself, right? Once he comes, you lose out on the opportunity to do tshuva. Once he comes, you lose out on the opportunity for self-elevation and self-repair. Because once Mashiach comes and everything about the Ribbon Shalom becomes so apparent and so obvious, there's no longer any nisayon. There's no longer any challenge to be good. And therefore, there's no longer any schar as well. We have a golden opportunity. You know, we wait for Mashiach each and every day. And we want him to come and he will come any moment. But we have to maximize these moments before he comes. Because now is the opportunity for growth. Now is the opportunity for tikkun. Now is the opportunity for elevation. Now is the opportunity to turn ourselves around. And now is the time where we receive incredible schar, incredible reward for undergoing and for undertaking Herculean transformative effort. Once Mashiach comes, everything will be beautiful. Everything will be, ba- everything will be apparent and everything will be obvious. And we lose out on the most beautiful opportunities. Even the Beis HaMikdash is going to be different in the future. So the Gemara says, My dahava hava. Whatever happened, happened. What's going to happen is yet to remain seen. But one thing we know is we have to take most advantage of these opportunities in the, moment before, in the moments before Mashiach's arrival. So we'll stop over here for today. We'll pick up Emirat Hashem again with the Seder of the Big Dikona, how Moshe Rabbeinu, how, how he dressed the Kohanim for the Miluim. Emirat Hashem tomorrow. Oh, Hashem. <laughs>